Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new edition of the Campia.ca Newsroom Show. Christian Jack alongside Charlie O'Connor-Clark as we recap week two in the Canadian Premier League. Coming up on the show, we recap four more games. Uh, wow, four more action-packed games. We've had a great <laughs> opening weekend and a, I think an even better second weekend, Charlie, in the Canadian Premier League. Five months on from Ice Tecker. That's right, five months on from that classic game in Edmonton. Snow keeps falling in Edmonton and so do late equalizers to secure 1-1 draw. A dark cloud falls over the CPL in the nation's capital as the 2021 Player of the Year is stretched off with a very worrying knee injury. We'll get into that. The two most successful teams in the CPL regular season history duel off and fittingly exchange blows in a pair of goals in a heavyweight clash in Hamilton. And on the island, it was not quite much. Oh no more God. comments about that but charlie your thoughts on a dramatic second week in the canadian premier league yeah it was great it was great i think we learned more about a lot of teams this weekend i know they've got two under their belt uh and it seems like almost every goal if we keep up this pace scored in the cpl this year is going to be an absolute belter and i am okay (laughs) with that i'm absolutely okay with that so it's it's been a lot of fun um we've seen a couple players emerge over two games now that you know, we can we can start to start to like talk about them and, and how they're starting the season well. We're we're into it. We're starting to get into it. It's not new anymore. We're here. We're underway. It's fun. Yes, no doubt. If you're listening later, we thank you. If you're watching live, we thank you as well. And stick around. The screamers that Charlie is referring to, you will see live right here on this show, courtesy of One Soccer. The results this week again: FC Edmonton one, York United one, Atletico Ottawa one, Halifax Wanderers nil. First time in their history they win back-to-back games in the Canadian Premier League. Forge two, Cavalry two, and the finale on the island on the Sunday. Pacific Pacific FC on the right side of the five-goal Easter Thriller as they defeat Valor by three goals to two. However, we have to start, and we will break down all the games. We have to start with the major story of the weekend. No doubt about this, Charlie. The major story of the weekend came in the nation's capital and, quite frankly, not a story we'd want to talk about at all, let alone second week of the season. The game, as it was, was moving on. Pretty good game, an action-packed game. Halifax had a few chances. Uh, Nate Ingham was the best player on the pitch, the goalie for Ottawa. They get a goal 1-0, great crossing by Acosta. We'll get the highlights in a second. But before we do that, we have to talk about the big story that happened late in the game, and that, of course, happens to Jean Morelli. And that was the big concern. We still don't know what happened, but watch the top of your screen there. And we can see Zhao just go down. Uh, again, highlights courtesy of one soccer. Plants a right foot on the surface. Uh, sorry, left foot on the surface, holding his knee right away. And that is the uh, that is all the evidence we have at the moment. More tests have been taking place this week. In Halifax, Zhao tweeted out he got home thanks for the messages. But Stephen Hart said after the game is very concerned for him. And Charlie, just really difficult scenes for anybody who's a fan of this league to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's always terrible when you see anybody go down and be stretched off in that kind of way. And you don't, I don't, I don't want to say it's worse because it's a better player. You don't want to like rank players injuries no, in terms no, of how I good they it. are as players, but it's incredibly impactful that yeah. the reigning player of the year rating golden boot winner, uh, the player who was arguably Halifax's best player in their first game. And for large stretches of, of this game is stretched off. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. For the team and again we still don't know what exactly the problem is how severe it is but it doesn't look or sound great no to be honest no. um Stephen hart was like he wasn't really pulling punches after the game where he said it didn't look good he didn't have any update he hadn't even spoken to joao or the medical staff yet at that point but uh yeah i 
these are tough ones that that turf can cause those those sorts of injuries when you kind of you planting it wrong and and just something happens and and all of a sudden there have been there have been a few players that have seen that happen and sometimes they bounce back fairly quickly it's just kind of a a strainer or you you tweak your knee or something and sometimes it's more serious so we're all hoping very much that joao is okay and he doesn't miss Mm -hmm. too long and i'm sure nobody's hoping that more than Stephen hart who knows you know we've spoken all preseason last week everything about how important joao morelli is and how much they struggled last year when he was out of the lineup because he was missing quite a lot of the of the season as as Stephen hart has alluded to several times they weren't very good without him (laughs) which was troubling and so if they do have to be without him for any extended period of time they're really gonna put a lot of their preseason work to the test in terms of trying to be less reliant on him because they won't be able to at all yeah no doubt about it thoughts and prayers to Zhao uh, and of course with his family thinking about him uh full transparency exchanged some messages with him yesterday and at that point was going for more results and still doesn't really know yet they still don't know the full severity i suppose of this injury uh and again just to speak to just what a great guy he is he offered to come on the show uh, and join us and talk a little bit about it, that we will get Jao on in the next week or two. Um, but right now, you can see, obviously, the sensitivity of all this to find out what he's going through. Uh, we'll hear from him very shortly. But uh, just a superstar on the pitch and an overall great guy. Uh, so we just can't wait for him to get back soon. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that match and Ottawa off to you know 100% winning start a little bit later in the show. We have to start our recap of games, though, in Hamilton, a tremendous match. Uh, as Forge against Cavalry, two real, real heavyweights, I suppose, in this one, came together on Saturday afternoon. It was the come-on match of the week. I was in the studio uh, in, in um, at one soccer. Charlie was in, obviously at the game as well. An action-packed start by Alessandro Hajabrapur just three minutes in. And if you ever want to see a strike hit as sweet as this, let me know, because the kind of goal that just comes out, you cannot wait to strike the ball, Charlie. What a beautiful goal this was. Oh, it's amazing. You can almost, even on a, on a silent highlight clip, you can almost hear it kind of fizzing upwards. It's in this, this straight up tra- trajectory and it's just, uh, it's gorgeous. They it love a it. gorgeous goal. Cavalry would respond and Joe Mason would be heavily involved in it as a build-up play. I thought Mason, who obviously got a, a, a nod in the in the team of the week this week, the Gatorade team of the week, I thought he was excellent and a bit more of a withdrawn role. He got that fox in the box kind of look to him as well. This was a really good box, good good goal. You can see the movement there. Ali Moosey, who joined him in the team of the week, contributed and Mason was able to put it away. Moosey heavily involved again, made it 2-1 after a misplaced pass by Garvin Matusla. And at that point, Cavalry were worthy, I thought, of winning this game. Certainly the better team, some misplaced passes. And you could really start to see Forge digging deep in this one, Charlie, with a lot of injury concerns. But in the end, they found a way back, uh, courtesy of Mr. Konkikaf himself, Davish Wanier. What a strike. Yeah, that's a, a perfect one. And it always seems to be Davish Wanier, doesn't it, with this Forge team. Whenever they really need that goal, whenever it's a big moment for them, he steps up, especially the way that he's able to come off the bench, as he did in this game. He comes off the bench, and he's part of a kind of a wider tactical shift with Forge, as Bobby Smyrniota spoke about a little after. I think we might hear from him as well. Yeah. Uh, the way that Schwanier comes off the bench into this slightly different, uh, they go to a 4-3-3 at that point, and they keep trying to get the ball to Schwanier in that half space because you know how well he can hit a ball from that spot. And it finally, finally, it does come to him there. It falls for him. And he himself said, yeah, I just close my eyes and hope for the best. And it worked <laughs> out pretty, pretty well, I think. I think he was being pretty... Uh... <sighs> I guess conservative in his own approach, maybe modest is the better word, because he actually 
rolled the ball, the foot over the ball with his right yeah. foot to set it up too. I thought that made it a little bit more glamorous. Uh, uh, a little bit more afford shortly, but Cavalry uh, were this close, by the way, this close to becoming the first team ever in the Canadian Premier League to beat Forge while down 1-0. Forge still have never lost a game in the Canadian Premier League after leading 1-0, and they were that close to doing it. Uh, and in the end, it took a 90th-minute screamer to get a point. Cavalry, I thought, did enough to get the three points in this one, Charlie. Before we hear from Tommy Wilden, your overall thoughts, and you were our, our correspondent on this. Great piece. Go check it out, campiel.ca. Your overall analysis and thoughts, observations about the way Cavalry played in this one. Yeah, Cavalry were very, very good in this. I think that they played quite direct at times which i think suits them a lot especially when the way that they line up especially against forge there with that back three and then two players who are ostensibly wingers playing as fullbacks or as wingbacks with with fraser aired on one side and ben fisk on the other it allowed them to just kind of get forward and as soon as they would win the ball in midfield or something like that they would get it out to those wide areas they would get it up and then the the wingers up there alongside Joe Mason, John Aniel, Asi, and Ali Musi yeah. also did a lot of work there of just driving the ball forward as much as they could and trying to find those opportunities. They didn't spend a lot of time with the ball because generally when they won the ball or when they got it, it would generally be kind of higher up the pitch and it would be quick. They'd get it up the field as quickly as they could to try and make that chance happen. So, you know, there's a reason that they ended up with the better of the chances, I thought, for the most part. And you know, in many senses, probably deserved to win. They had 1.7 expected goals to Forge having, I think, 0.6 or something. Yeah. Uh, Cavalry played very, very well in this game. And as you said, they were so, so close and definitely felt they deserved the three points. But they're a fun team to watch, which is how quickly they can go from defending to attacking. And I think there's no better example than their second goal, right? Where uh, I think it's Garvin Matusalet tries to break the the press with a pass gets picked off immediately, and then it's a one-touch pass to Ali Musi, who just drives at the net, finds his spot, picks it, and scores. So mm. they're very punishing. Yeah, great day for Musi, an important day for him. It cannot just be about Mason. They have to find secondary scoring in this team. The other thing, too, I don't think there's another team in the Canadian Premier League that does not get affected by the, by the score lines. They play the way they want to play, whether they're losing or whether they're winning. I always think it is their style. They're going to play that way. Um, so I think that that was a real compliment for me, the way they stuck to their game plan, even though they were down a goal. And in the end, they were rewarded. But tough, tough to go home uh, after win, uh, playing a game like that that you think you're going to win. And then you're denied by a 90th minute screamer. Here are some thoughts by the Cavalry head, head coach, Tommy Wilton Jr. Do you know, it's a great game. Got a lot of respect for, for Bobby and his coaching staff. Um, always puts out a good team. You know, you, they're never down and out. You know, you always know they're going to have moments in the game, and that, that's it. When we, you know, when Maya Bevan should have scored right near the end, yeah. you knew that was probably the chance, and you knew that they would keep going, and they did. I think they had like a front six at one point going forward, but they're, they're, they're a winning team, right? They've gone into Concaf, they've had these tough games, and I'm pleased to come here and get something out of it. I'm disappointed it wasn't all three. Obviously disappointed by the by the way they didn't go three. Another reason he was disappointed was some of the officiating in the game uh, that necessarily didn't go their way, although we're going to get into this. Forge certainly could have had some complaints as well. Here's more from Tommy after the match. Oh, I've got to be careful what I say, haven't I? Um, <laughs> there's eyes and ears at Canada Soccer, but what I do know is they are doing a very thorough review process, which is part of it because... You know, Philippe's a, a, a promising young official, and I do hope that today's a, a one he lesson, learns a lesson from, because I just thought, you know, I'd like to see it myself, but it felt, and this is only my opinion, that 
there was a lot of 50-50s that it was favoring the home side. And, you know, from a referee that's from Ontario, I think that's hard to stomach when you come to a tough environment anyway. Interesting comment from him. I think one of the reasons he was upset doing the game and asking him right away was the foul that he initiated, initially thought happened to Victor Latore on the goal. Let's play that and get, let everybody else be the judge and jury. We want to be fair here to everybody else to you know, play it. When you watch the ball come across, watch this moment here as Becker goes into Latore. Some people think it's quite soft. Uh, Latore is, is goal side and you can see Latore puts his hand up on that one. That's one of them. Let's get the next play up. This was a, a chance in the box for Ali Moussi on uh, Dom Samuel, who does a great job, by the way, Samuel, in doing everything he can to defend on him. Moussi, you can see, gets around him at that point, does a good job of defending. And that motion there, many people thought it was a penalty for them. And then the, the other one, we should say, which is for the other side, Forger winning 1-0 at this moment. Chris Nanko had a very good game down the left-hand side, goes through. Karifa Yao misses him and looks to have gone through onto, onto Nanko's knee. Could not guarantee you whether there was a touch there. We looked at many angles. But Charlie, your overall thoughts on this? One and two, maybe the other way. Not an easy game to referee. Yeah, no, certainly not. Uh, it's never an easy game to referee between Forge and Cavalry because they tend to be such physical games as they really are. You know, Cavalry especially are a very physical team a lot of time. And it's one of the first things that any opposing player will say about them. Yeah. Uh, so it's not surprising to see these kinds of controversial moments come up. Um, and yeah, I think realistically, I think there probably is a penalty there for both sides. Uh, so it, I guess it kind of comes out in the wash there. Um, I, it's kind of hard to see from any angle we've seen really of the, the Becker Latoury one before the goal. Um, but again, that's one where if you're a referee, especially as Tommy Wielden Jr. alluded to a younger one, a less experienced one, it's tough to call that at that point in the game, you know, when a team is chasing a goal and they're around the box, right? Like it's, it's, it's tough to call a foul on the attacking team and the attacking third. Mm. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I don't think that I'm, particularly i don't think that the the officiating in that match overshadowed the quality of the game itself yeah in any sense, i think it was still a, a really entertaining game but i can see a point in every manager comes out of every game wanting certain calls but i think that there are some fairly egregious ones that maybe you would you would expect to have been called in that one we're eight games in to CPL season four. Uh, and as Aaron says on the chat, being a Hamilton supporter since day one, and that game this past Saturday is probably one of the top CPL contests I've seen. So happy to see where the league is at only yeah. year two, technically. And we know why he says only year two, technically, because we've had an island games and we've had a very you know, constrained uh, COVID uh, year of 2021. Uh, I'm with him. I was at Pacific last week. I've done two or three live games already. The standard uh, has been nothing short of terrific. I think the fitness levels of the players coming out of the new season has been really, really remarkable. You can see Forge had two different preseasons with CONCACAF as well. Um, anyway, talking of Forge, we should get a comment in with them before we move to the next game. Before we hear from us on Forge, here is their head coach, Bobby Sminiotis. Yeah, I think in the Forge team, you have to have a lot of patience as, as the coach and as the players. Uh, as the coach, is something I've learned uh, over time that uh, if you want to play a certain way, you need patience. Um, because you can't uh, have everything clicking uh, all the time. Although I am adamant on a certain way of, of doing things and a certain way of playing, uh, because I believe in it uh, long-term um, in the team and the team uh, gets better as we, we keep on going. And I think the players understand that as well. You know, follow the processes, follow that we, what we need to do and the opportunities will come. And in that second half, the opportunities did come. The goal comes right at the end. But, 
you know, the whistle blows in the first minute and it goes in the 94th or 95th. So wherever the goal comes, it comes. Forge, not um, typically a fast starter anyway. Bobby joked with us on One Soccer about continuing not winning home openers, not winning home. Um, but maybe it is a, a decent time to play them right now just because even Forge, with all their attacking depth, Charlie, are significantly missing massive pieces at the back right now. Yes. Uh, you think of Krutzen, who, for me, the best defender in CPL, is a big loss, not only as the way that they dictate the possession at the back, but controls things as well, and you're good, good in the air. You know, no Ashton Morgan, so they have to play different players at that back. You know, no Jonathan Grant. I think there's five, you know, mainstay defenders there not fit right now. Uh, and that's tough even for a team like that to get over this. So maybe in a way, you know, a point for them is a pretty good point. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, uh, I don't think Forge are ever happy to not win at home, but you do what you do have to understand, you know, the, the changes that they have to make tactically, you know, bringing Chris Nanko into play left wing back is not really a position that he's, very familiar with that he's done a lot even just the fact that they have to drop Alex Ashinyoti Johnson into the back three is kind of a loss for them because he's generally such an important player as the six in front of the center backs agree um and 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 for for what he provides there with just their ability to break presses which was actually something that they struggled with in this game um so again yeah those are definitely definite concerns but it's not that they played poorly in this game whatsoever they still had the attacking quality and they, they, they throw so many attackers on the pitch at the end there with, with, you know, Borges coming on at halftime and then Schwanier coming in and, and so on. And they don't really take any of those attackers of the other attackers off in those cases. Mm. Um, it still comes eventually, right? They're a very patient team and, and they're rewarded for it at the end. Two weeks in, still no win for Forge, still no win for Cavalry. Two weeks in, two wins already for the champs as Pacific FC defeat Valor in an Easter classic on Sunday. This was a brilliant game as we roll the highlights in this. If you want your drama, sit back and get your popcorn in this one. Even in the first half, uh, we lost count of what you could have. Valor went down to 10 men, at one, uh, you know, Tony Mikel with a red card. Uh, and after that, it was the Marco Busto show as he gets one assist there right away with a brilliant cross. Uh, in the box there, you know, and they just carried on. Manny Aparicio made it 1-0, Charlie. And after that, this became a very difficult game for Vala to get over, particularly once they went down to 10 men. Yeah, yeah, it, it certainly did. This is kind of Pacific from from front to back in this game. And I think even when we spoke to to James Merriman and, and, and some other people after the game, they were feeling like they wanted more out of it. They wanted to dominate more after they went up, uh, when it went up, uh, man. You know, I Pacific came out of this game with just over five expected goals. I know I keep talking about expected goals. They that's just okay. over five. And that's yeah. the second highest total a CPL team has ever had in one game. Ever. In in the four seasons. The, the first being, you know, obviously Cavalry scoring eight goals against Valor. Um, but for them to, to be able to create all of these chances, most of them in the first half, to be honest. And... You know, they come out of it three goals. I think three two is is a scoreline that doesn't really reflect what happened in this game. You never, even though the the penalty at the last kick of the game doesn't really mean anything to the points gained or lost, it makes the score feel a little bit closer than it probably should have been in this game. And and you never want to give up a, a penalty ever, especially if it's kind of a sloppier one. So I can understand where they're coming from, but again, it's a very again the second week in a row a very very strong performance from Pacific, and. You know, they're just a fun team to watch at the moment, especially playing at home. Yeah, they've come out the gates absolutely on fire. Um, we're going to have a special guest shortly. Before we do that, here is the thoughts of their head coach after this one, James Merriman. 
I think the three points belong to the team. You know, I think the team um, did enough, but I still wanted more. We wanted more from, from the position we were in. They went down to 10 men. Um, you know, we thought we should have controlled the game more. Bustos, yeah, he's got that quality on the ball, right? So happy for him to get the three assists. But um, overall, as a team, we, we want more from, from a game like this. What, uh, what is that more that you're looking for? Be more dominant, be in more control. They're down to 10 men, right? And we're up, we're winning. So I didn't think we did that um, well enough today. And we know it as a group. And um, it's something that we're going to continue to work on and, and reflect on. As usual, honesty uh, and honesty in space from James Merriman gets three points, uh, a very good performance, but once more. Uh, talking about a very good performance, let's bring in our special guest, Marco Bustos, who's very kind to join us live right now. <laughs> Here he is. Uh, Marco, another member of the team of the week and the first player in Canadian Premier League history to register three assists in one game. Uh, congrats on a fantastic performance. What was your overall thoughts in this one? Uh, similar to James, wanting a little bit more in a match like that? Yeah, first off, uh, thanks for having me, obviously. Um, yeah, you know, a game like that, when you go when you go a man up, you know, quite early, you know, uh, thinking from a player, I think, you know, 3-2 is, is a score that, you know, kind of keeps them in the game, right? I know their goal came right at the end, but, you know, when we're up 3-1 with a man up, I think, you know, we could have put a fourth or fifth and the game's done. Right. Then we can start rotating a lot of guys um, and really, really show that, you know, we're capable of putting teams away. You know, it was a lot of a lot of that last year that we never we never put games away. Mm. You know, we always left it to the death and and usually conceded, you know, in the from the 80 to 90th minute. Um, but that's what we're trying to fix. You know, I, I'm kind of on par there with James also. You know, that's that's something as a collective that that we need a fix to if we want to dominate. And, you know, we talked about that consistency. Um, if we want to win again and win the league and, and you know, win a championship again, that's, that's what it's got to take, you know, knowing how to ice a game, um, you know, taking the chances when we have them. Uh, all that comes into the picture. And, and for me, it's, it's about being dominating as a, as a championship club. You know, obviously we're, we're uh, we're excited and, and proud that we've already won two games out of two, but it's it's only two games of 28, right? So we got a long way to go and and a lot more to improve. You know that's 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 the the great thing also. Certainly a long way to go in the season, but two games in two and oh, two wins at home as well. You know it's important to to get those early. Does it feel like you guys are trying to maybe set a tone here a bit that you're? the team to beat in the league, especially when teams come to Starlight Stadium? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously the we were champions last year. And like everyone said, you know, we have kind of that target on our back, which is uh, which allows us kind of play with a bit of uh, a bit of uh, if I can use the word swagger, you know, it's uh, we're a team that's going to score goals. You know, I believe in that uh, our our team believes in that, but it's also keeping balls out of our net. So that's that's also important to winning. Um, you know, we're just we're just an excited group, a group that, you know, the core group is back, you know, from from last year, obviously, a few had left. But again, you know, back back when those guys had left. 
no one talked about the replacements of right. of what was coming in. And I think now it's those replacements are showing that, you know, we're we're just as good, if not better. You know, and that's what we're trying to be. We're trying to be better. We're trying to improve every game, improve from last year. You know, how can we be better from last year to this year? And, you know, conceding late goals is, is one of those topics in the changing room that we're going to we're going to try to fix and I believe we will fix. Mark of a champion, right? Never satisfied. Never satisfied. Uh, that's a great way of yeah. looking into it. Um, pretty audacious assist from you, my man, on uh, Sunday. Uh, I know you got three. We're going to highlight our favorite here at Campion Newsroom. Uh, we're going to roll it in and ask you to talk us through it, if you don't mind. So let's just roll in this assist and uh, let you take over. But when in the world did you think you were going to do that with the, with the outside of your foot like that? Yeah, well, it's uh, that's that's not the outside. Oh, wait. Yeah, just watch. No, that's that's the that's no, the other that's, one. Bad, that's the that second one. one. Yeah, that's the second one. That's I okay, can bring, I, I could I could roll you through that one also if you want. Please do. Yeah, because that do. one's actually quite cool. It's uh, so yeah. I had told uh, I had told Diaz actually the day before. You know, when I'm coming into that area, uh, you know, when I come into that area, if I know I'm far away from shooting, and as soon as I take my take the ball to my left run run behind run behind the the center back okay you know, that's something that we worked on you know the last the last week because i can play that floated ball in behind and they're the center backs are watching me right you know and and a lot of times uh defenders get uh caught ball watching so you know you pull off their shoulder and it's an easy lofted ball for me in my opinion it's uh it's one of the easier ways for me to to assist so we we talked about that and obviously he made a great run um and, and in that scenario you know you know if i know he's going to make that run i don't need to look up so uh that saves me about a minute or about a, a second in my thought process i love that breakdown charlie he said he says yeah. it's easy for me <laughs> no, i don't know if it's easy for me man <laughs> i'm just gonna say marco no. like uh, you know, we don't, I, I, I know you're getting a little bit shy here my man but there's not many people who can play a pass like that in canadian soccer i'm just gonna throw that out there okay you know we're not talking about the you know the elite of the elite in the european champions league charlie back me up for a second you know yeah. it's, not, it's, a, it's a no look pass one that he planned 24 hours earlier and puts it on an absolute <laughs> dime for a striker charlie okay speaking of the elite of the elite in the champions league though i do want i need to hear about the outside of the foot one like have you been watching a lot of luka modric highlights recently or, or <laughs> like what at what point making that run are you like yeah I, I can just float this with my left foot that way first of all you cannot talk to me about any real madrid players I'm a, <laughs> that's true I'm fair a enough barcelona fan. Fair enough. you're a barca guy <laughs> but no uh Obviously, you know, that, that's uh, Modric is a top player in the world and history. But uh, no, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, for me, I, I like to improvise. You know, that's my kind of style of play. And uh, obviously, those who have been watching me for a while know, you know, my right foot is for the gas pedal and the, or the, <laughs> the gas pedal on the brake. So, uh, no, I just, you know, I, I had seen that oh, there was no one really, really there for the cutback. So I knew I kind of had to loft it. So I just knew I could get under the ball with my left foot and kind of chipped it in there. And I uh, had to get it over, uh, get it over uh, Rocco there that I that I saw. He's a tall guy. He's, he's, he's a big guy. So I had to kind of just like do a little, I don't know how to explain it, but I'll just show <laughs> you, you know, just like that, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. It's a good it's, header from Manny too, though. That's, yeah, that's probably yeah, an important yeah. part. Hundred percent. But the the best thing though is that you have a midfielder like that that's getting into the box. Yeah. You know, you, you even see on uh, on Diaz's goal there is that Manu's running into the sprinting into the box from thirty yards behind. So that's that's something that we've worked on also is getting numbers in the box. And yeah, that's where the most that's where that. yeah, that's yeah. where that's where the most goals are scored. You know, you look at history of goals in, in every season. They'll tell you ninety percent of the goals are scored in the box. So that's been that's been I think the the positive note and why we score goals. You know, we know kind of what we need to do to score, and that's getting numbers in the box. So it's almost a perfect day for you, but we have to address. We didn't show in the highlights. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go there, don't you? Hundred yeah. percent. That's how we get better. Yeah, so you missed the penalty, uh, and 100%. Mr. Siwa's being he's starting to get a bit of a reputation in this league, my man. Uh -huh. I think he's 75% save percentage now from penalties. Um, and talk us through your process on that. Do, does his little go away to the right before he goes to the left? Did you see that, or are you adamant you're going to go the same way? I know you don't want to give many secrets away, but uh -huh. he went one way and then dived the other, didn't he? Before he yeah. did, were you watching that, or did you just decide you were going to go that way right away? No, I, I think as a as a penalty shooter, you know, I always say, you know, I go when I go up when I go up there, I I already have you know that spot where I want to shoot, and I'm like 100% going that way. Mm. You know, I can shoot both ways. I've shot both ways many times, and I decided just to go up and shoot that way. You know, I'm not a big fan of the stutter step and kind of watching the goalie. You know, I feel I've practiced that, and I don't feel confident doing that. Right. You know, in a game. So uh done it in practice a bunch, but I just, you know, I went, tried to hit it where I wanted to hit. And uh, obviously when a goalie uh, guesses the right way and goes one way with everything that he has, there's a good chance he's going to stop it. And he made a good save. I thought I hit it decently. So, but it, it happens, you know, yeah. all these players miss penalties and it bugged me for a bit, but uh, that's, that's the part of, uh, of growing also, you know, when you, you have a little bit of a down like that it's how do you get out of that quickly and i thought i forgot about it quite quickly and just had to go on with the game well if you're ever going to miss a penalty in a game just go you know break it break a cpl <laughs> and not call it the same game it's fine <laughs> Good time for it. i won't lie though I, I really wanted to score but uh yeah. no that's fine you know for me it's you know we we got the three points done and and uh thankful that i, I had uh a part to help in that and uh yeah you know it's just when you play with with good teammates and you have good people around you it's it's enjoying it's enjoyful to to play and uh now now you know we got we got a week a week's rest between most games now and yeah. that's important too you know the you can see in the games the quality of the games are better um there's the some most games are tighter you know it's uh, it's not you know those four zeros four ones uh sloppy play you know it's yeah. it's everything is quite close which is uh which makes it better for everyone watching right yeah oh it's been great it does. yeah it does. yeah marco i first before i before i ask my next question i want to thank you for yeah. not doing stutter steps because i hate those <laughs> <laughs> before penalties uh they they feel like cheating to me but uh speaking of having good people around you i just want to ask you specifically about playing with kunle on that side now because yeah. you had that partnership with Caden chung on the right for for a while there and it was really good you played a couple games with kunle last year on the right but mm -hmm. 
maybe not for an extended stretch of time like it looks like you're going to be able to now so just what is he like as kind of a fullback behind you and and what's maybe different about playing with him to say playing with Caden last year or the year before yeah so first off I I want to give a big a big big shout out to Kunle you know he's a guy that came in last year at the beginning of the year that he'll tell you himself and I'm always trying to be honest and and all that but you know there was there was never a chance where where you know he he came in and Caden was comfortable because Caden knew, you know, I'm going to play every game. And, you know, what we need in a, in a team is guys pushing each other because that'll make everyone, everyone else better, the collective better. Mm-hmm. And how much Kunle has improved in the last, in the last 12, 14 months has been incredible. You know, one, one of, one of the few guys I've seen improve so much in, in my career, you know, my career has not been, super long but from what i've seen and what i've experienced he's he's grown a lot and and that's that's a testament to you know wanting to learn and wanting and willing to improve you know there's a there's a difference between talking about improving but when you see the work done every day and taking you know tactical stuff serious um you know technical you know we all know he's powerful we all know he's probably the fastest guy in the league uh, one of the strongest guys, but sometimes, you know, in a, in a sport like soccer is, you know, the ball moves faster than anyone. So if you can, if you know, technically that, you know, your first touch is good, you know, where you're passing next. And that's what he lacked in the beginning. Now it's, you know, second nature to him. And we're all around there, you know, me, myself, myself and, and Jamar or whoever's playing around him, you know, it's, all, I, I know you guys don't hear everything that's been being said on the pitch, but, you know, I'm, we're always trying to help each other, you know, where to go, where to be. If I'm dropping in, Kunle, get out or drop or go inside or whatever it is, you know, so that, that creates that creates a good chemistry between, you know, football's all about triangles. So our triangle there on the right side is, mm-hmm. you know, for us, it's just about communication and always moving. And... For me, you know, obviously playing with Caden was uh, obviously what he's done is, you know, he's gone now and playing MLS. You know, uh, very few have done that so far from this league. And and Caden was exceptional to play with. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, you know, it was just, it felt so, so, I don't want to say easy, but it felt just natural. You know, the way he glides with the ball, his speed um, looks a lot faster than he is or than he, he He's jogging and he's sprinting at the same time. I've never seen that before. Right. And uh, and for me, you know, Kunle's Kunle's watched Caden all year, learned from Caden, learned you know what it takes to be in this team. You know, it's not just coming to any team or starting for any team. It's starting for a championship team. So now now Kunle's taking that spot. He's grown with it. And to be fair, the first two games he's. He's been he's been lights out. So that's mm-hmm. that's just a testament to hard work in, in in my opinion. And for me it's just about helping him and how we can create a, a bond together on the pitch. And if he plays good, that that allows me to to have success myself. You know, because if he's running down the wing, fullback has to watch him and then that gives me space because who's gonna come and mark me? So it's just like a, a fun game of chess, I would say. Mm-hmm. 
Fantastic answer, my man. A few things to digest there. First of all, uh, you said we can't always hear you on the pitch. Anytime Marco Roussas is not to be mic'd up on a pitch, let me know. We'll get that arranged. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get CPL firms mic'd up with Marco. That'll be pretty class. Uh, second thing, uh, Caden Chung and McNaughton, as you said, uh, uh, they're gone, the trajectory, they're gone. Wherever they've gone, you're coming next. There's no doubt about that, my man. I know that's coming next for you. Uh, what else did I want to say? Oh, yeah, I want to also ask you about um, one more thing before I let you go, a bit more of a serious yeah. thing. Yeah, uh, Jao Morelli on the weekend is one of the big superstars of our league. Last year, as a league and as fans of our league, we had to digest that with you. Uh, when we lost you, that was very difficult for all of us because we want our stars to be performing. We don't know how long Jao's out, but it doesn't look good. What were your thoughts on this? And I guess what's your message to uh, another superstar attacking player like yourself being out right now? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's tough. You know, I, I hate seeing these things happen, and and it's i want to say you know it's it's part of the sport you know it's happened to me uh, i don't know the extent of the injury but uh from what i saw it didn't look great but uh this is this is something that happens and it's unfortunate uh but like you said you know you want to see these players play you know he's a mvp last year you know I, i'm sure he was super excited to come back and try to repeat that this year you know, he's uh, from from the conversations I've had with him. He's a he's a brilliant guy, really nice guy. Uh, I I've, I've reached out to him and wished him uh, wished him the best, hoping the best for him. And it's just it's it's tough to see that. You know, you never want to see people people go down with injuries, especially especially serious ones. Um, you know, it's just I, I've seen it happen way too much, and and it's 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 not it's not ideal. But uh, you know, right right now, you know, there's, I know, kind of how he feels, and uh, you just kind of feel like there's nothing you can do, and really, you know, support to have support and people supporting him is is important, you know. Uh, so if anyone watching this, I would, I would recommend you reach out, and you know, that goes a long way, especially you know, people I've never met or people I've never talked to reaching out to me was. Uh, you know, every every second, third message, you know, puts a smile on your face, and that helps a lot with the with the inside of your your feelings, right? So, you know, again, I just want to wish uh, draw a speedy recovery and and hoping for the best for for him. Top class, my man. That's why I asked because I knew what you've been through yourself. So it's nice to share those yeah. moments and whirling it no, together, right? Uh, again, congratulations on a fantastic individual start, but I know more importantly for you, a fantastic team start. I know you'll be back at training with the boys again this week, buzzing with six points from six, hoping to make it nine from nine this weekend as well, Marco. As ever, we always love having you, having you on the show. Thanks again for joining us. No, thanks for having me, guys. It's always a pleasure. And, uh, you know, keep doing what you guys are doing. It's, it's awesome work, and we just keep going. Thanks, Thanks Marco. again, Marco. Marco Bustos, uh, team of the week, no doubt about it. And I'm sure early candidate for player of the week as well. Can't thank him enough. Uh, from Pacific, we move to the nation's capital and Ottawa are six from six as well. Uh, they get a 1-0 victory in, on the weekend in the aforementioned game against Jean Morelli. Uh, a fantastic performance for Ottawa. You can see a very early, great opportunity from Brian Wright there. They played very well in this. Halifax had their chances as well. we get to that shortly. Uh, some real opportunities in this one. Chris Knoxon with a big save in the first half as well. This one from Malcolm Shaw's header. Nate Ingham had a tremendous match in this one. Well, Charlie. And in the end, again, it was probably could have gone away. It was one that Ottawa took hold of in the second half. Um, yeah. But a game that was there to be won by either team. 
Yeah, yeah, it was. It was like both sides definitely had their chances, and were it not for Nathan Ingham, then maybe we're talking about a Halifax win because I think there is this one right here on screen from from Salter and then from Morelli, this double save, and then there were two more. I think pretty big saves on distance shots from Morelli again. Uh, so it certainly could have gone Halifax's way, but we were kind of speaking about it during the game. Ottawa has suddenly become a team that defends very, very well in this formation. You know, they, they lose Drew Becky to suspension, which obviously is frustrating, but they come in, they change it up a little bit. They play with the back four in this game and Diego Espejo, 19 years old alongside uh, McDonald Neba as a center back partnership. And they look great. I thought they defended very, very well together alongside each other. Uh, they were able to to kind of just keep a lot of Ottawa's or sorry, Halifax shots outside the box. That's why they needed Morelli to take those shots from outside the box. They can't help the fact that Morelli can actually score a lot of those shots because he's a very talented player. But if you're generally keeping them outside like that, you're going to be okay a lot of the time. Uh, I think the the attack is still coming for them. You know, that's that's their first goal from open play. It's a bit of a broken play. Uh, but a good one, an excellent delivery from Miguel Acosta and really good work from Malcolm Shaw to kind of lose lose the the center backs, kind of go on the blind side and, and get under the ball and track it and then head it across goal. It's a very good finish, and he's a very good striker as well, good goal scorer. Uh, and again, whenever you have a new coach come in, generally they'll they'll start by building the defensive shape and building that kind of structure. And then the attack starts to come and it starts to click eventually. So I think that Ottawa has a lot to like from these first two games. And they've they've definitely proven that they're going to be one of the most difficult teams to break down in the league. Yeah, I think they're going to be really difficult to beat. Um, you know, right away, I can see right away the difference that Carlos Gonzalez has made. It is night and day compared to what they had last season. And I know players have come in and they change it, but the way that they're coached, you watch when they lose the ball, how they recover the ball quicker. That is such an important part of this team. Bassett yeah. playing in a central midfield role where he started last season in the bubble for Pacific and then kind of evolved it. He's getting touches deep, and he's a really good blend with McKendry. They work really, really well together. Espeo, another member of the team of the week, I thought was dominant in centre-back position. Dominant, by the way. Very good on the ball as well. Uh, but you can tell that this team has been double sessions every day in Madrid for a month. They are fit. Yeah. They are ready. And they are raring to go. And they, they, they hunt the ball quick. The other thing about them is tactically versatile. You mentioned it, the back four. Occasionally, they play as a three. Acosta can tuck in. Tiso went away. Verhoeven played this weird inside-left position. Yeah. He, sometimes he was a fullback. Sometimes he was a winger. Balu on the other side. Uh, so tactically very versatile and very difficult to defend against. Uh, I thought they were excellent. And Carlos Gonzalez has done really well. Aaron asks, what are your thoughts on Brian Wright? That's the final piece of the puzzle, by the way. Wright and Shaw buzz around without the ball really well. Really, yes. really well. They are these are not two passengers in four four two. Let me get the ball and I'll do the work. Only want to get the ball. They work really hard. And Wright didn't get in the team of the week this week, but he could have and sure did. And he got his goal as well. Um, there are our thoughts. Here is the thoughts of head coach in Ottawa, Atletico Ottawa boss Carlos Gonzalez. I think that there are some moments of although the game was an equal game, I felt that it was a game with different different games inside the game in which uh, first half we, we were better, we have the clearer situations. But it's true that the first 20 minutes of second half, until we started to switch the players and, uh, and look for this new energy, we were a little bit flat. 
but still uh, this is one of the the good things of the team that we have people from the bench that can can give us a bet a best level than the one that is and that on that moment on the field and this is part of the of the reading of the match uh, we cannot put all in or from start so in some moments we have to leave something in in the bench uh, some in a place that can make this impact during the game and also we find it today players that came out uh, brought this new energy to the to the team and uh, i think that we we control quite well the last 20 minutes of the game I think that's another really astute point by Carlos Gonzalez and something else I've noticed across the league so far in two weeks. I think most of the substitutions in the CPL this year have been brilliant. Bang on. Mm. Everything you need to play. Oh, this play needs to come off now. This player comes on it instantly. And by the way, I think that's impacted the games. This year, this week, we just had 50% of the games. The goal, goals came after the, within the last 10 minutes of the game. These subs are making a difference. And we'll get to Edmonton with um, Alex again in a second. Yeah. Go ahead, John. That's another product of a season where you don't have to play every three days. Yeah. Is it not? Because you can have a more detailed 90 minute tactical plan. You can either, you can either come into a game knowing, yeah, 60 minute mark, I'm making this tactical change and we're going to throw something different or you don't, or you can have, you know, you can watch how the game progresses and then choose a different option because you've got in a lot of cases across the league, not every team at the moment, you've got fit players on the bench that can come on, not just because somebody is running out of steam on the pitch and they're, they're dead tired and they have to come off, but because they offer a different element mm -hmm. to your team, right? Yeah. You can make those changes. So there's more depth in squads. And that's, it's just going to be fascinating to see the quality of play improve and the, the back and forth between teams improve because, you know, you make one move and then the other team makes another and then, then the other coach makes another. And the coaches are going to, uh, to learn a lot more about their teams and about their opponents this year. And I think yeah, we certainly it's have. a great point. It's a great point, Charlie. Uh, you know, they choose to make the choices and changes rather than being forced to make them because they can't play those players anymore because of how yeah. tired they are. A big difference. Uh, before we get to Alex on Edmonton against York, a final thought on Halifax after a narrow 1-0 win week one, a narrow 1-0 loss week two. Um, bear, and bear in mind, Stephen Hart addressed the media just minutes, literally minutes after watching Jar Morelli stretch it off. So we thank you for doing that. Here was that interview as we asked him about the game. I, I thought we we were in, in good control uh, in the opening, maybe the opening 30 minutes of the game. And then they had some some really good moments, you know, in, in the closing part of the of the first half. Um, and then I thought we were in again, we were in good control of the game in the in the in the second half and uh, had some had some very good chances. Um in particular, the one that fell to Salta and then the one that fell to Morelli twice. Um, but all credit, good goalkeeping, and uh, they 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 basically played for for that chance that um, that Shaw scored. And uh, I thought he, he you know he he took it well. And uh, we saw John Morelli come off the pitch late in the game. Trying to give any updates on him, or maybe what at least was troubling him. Uh, uh, I don't know. Doesn't doesn't look good, but uh, uh, I haven't spoken to medical staff yet. They're still attending to him, still trying to to see what's wrong. 
Yeah, as we said earlier, we'll think about Jiao a lot over the next few days. Is obviously we wait a word on what is the actual news coming out of Halifax uh, with the 2021 Player of the Year and Golden Boot winner Jiao Morelli. Uh, for the fourth and final game, we got our correspondent and we welcome in Alex Gange Rusik, who was there and busy again this weekend, even in Montreal, uh, as he watched Montreal against the Whitecaps. This man, I don't think anybody else is covering live games more than this guy right now across Canada. <laughs> Alex, great to be with you. Great to see you, my man. Um, Let's roll in the highlights of the game that you covered and let us know your overall observations as you wrote on campl.ca and FC Edmonton won, York United won. A pretty good, pretty good game that came to light in the second half. Yeah, I mean, it was certainly a game where the first 70, 80 minutes, it felt destined for a nil-nil draw. There wasn't all that much going on. It was kind of, I guess, yes, a chess match, but one of more defensive identities. But then everything just kind of woke up. I mean, York was slowly starting to to, to knock on the door more and more as the game went along and uh, that their goal was kind of coming. And then as soon as they, they got the lead, you thought it was over. And, and Edmonton finds a, a goal off this this nice moment that, that we see on screen here. So it was a really fun ending to the game. Obviously, a, a red card on top of that. Didn't see it coming after after the first half, after the first 70 minutes. But uh, I guess credit to both coaches for for adjusting and in and, and York trying to, to grab a win away from home and then Edmonton to to make sure they, they get a home point. So uh, ended up being a lot more exciting than, than I thought it would be, which uh, it was nice to, to see that sort of drama. One of those where you delete, 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 rewrite, 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 right, Alex? That's <laughs> it's the script. Pretty much. <laughs> that pretty much sums up the recap. It just kind of went out the window after the 82nd minute. Yeah, it was we, the same we, in Hamilton anyway. So yeah, I know exactly. your pain. You know, you had it, Charlie, too. As as he Rosario, obviously with a fantastic strike to make it one nil. Master catcher made it. 1-1, one, one, and then the scuffle at the end where C.J. Smith saw a red card for bringing his hands to the face of Dean and Abzi. We have to start, though, Alex, with the main talking point being FC Edmonton for a second week in a row. We know the offseason they had. They know the turnover we had. I, I forget which coach told us live on the preview show that it was never going to be easy playing them because we've got a lot to prove. But I think they've exceeded most people's expectations in the way they've stayed in games and been resilient no, Alex, to find their way back into these games and get 1-1 draws where many people thought they, they probably could have rolled them over a lot of time. Yeah, I mean, they're just super well-drilled. I think Alan Koch, uh, historically, that's kind of been a calling card. You can see it back to his Whitecaps FC2 teams. They're always, if anything, they're always going to be organized and defensively sturdy over to Cincinnati as well. Um and I think that that kind of almost fits, it blends nicely with this group of guys he has. It's almost like you, you look at them and they've embraced this kind of, I, I could say, I guess, ragtag. I don't know if that almost feels, it feels a bit weird to, to put on. But I mean, it is a kind of a ragtag team where you kind of got guys cobbled together and they, they embrace that. I mean, there's so many examples of, of players being thrust into new roles and embracing it. I think my favorite one so far has been Gabriel Batar. Uh, he yeah. kind of talked about it heading in, and I was curious to see how he'd fare. And he looks like a midfielder. It was kind of wild to think that, you know, a year, two years ago, I'm watching this guy play up front for for Carlton, and now he's in the middle of the park for Edmonton. He's putting in a shift. He's he looks technically sound on the ball. He looks like he's been playing there for years. And I think that's going to be a, a calling card for this Edmonton team, and the fact they've embraced uh, being this this faceless team and there's nothing wrong with that I think sometimes as a coach that can almost be a challenge you get a group of guys like this and you you kind of get caught trying to think you're one team when you're not and I think Alan Koch listening to him speak he knows what he has at his disposal at the same time there's talent you see what a guy like Tobias Warchewski you know Julian Ulbricht those two were buzzing all game you know even though they're 
sometimes the support offered to them it could be better and I think Koch that's also something he told uh, after the game when, when, when talking about it I asked him about his defensive identity he mentioned okay now we're solid defensively also do want to be a team that that does something in the attack it doesn't want to just be hold on hold on hold on but I think we're, we're seeing them slowly build and it, it's a project that I think it's going to surprise, but I think it, it kind of is a testament to A, the talent they have, and B, how they've already bought into to what he's been putting out there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've been very impressed with Edmonton's defending as well, especially it seems like they're very happy sitting in this kind of back five uh, with, with you know, it's, it's, it's Lowry and it's Luke Singh and it's, uh, it's Niall Higgins, who have all, I think, been very good. Luke Singh especially was very good in this game. He's in the Gatorade team of the week. Uh, so that's three Edmonton players now. Uh so far for the season um it's been impressive to me the way that they've defended and i think yeah alex as you alluded to alan Koch kind of explained that that's where you start when you come into a team at this stage of the process i think when he said he said when you come in late to the process which they sort of did compared to other teams you start with the defensive structure and you sacrifice things obviously in the attack for that and it's, but it's, it's there, it's starting to, to, uh, to show itself. And I think, I wonder maybe if they're even surprising themselves with how, <laughs> how well they've defended so far. So they're certainly impressive, but, uh, I don't, I don't know what to think of York so far for, through two games. I think yeah. there's, so maybe, maybe that's one. where we should go. Yeah. It's an, it's an, it's an interesting one on York though. Right. I mean, tough, tough games two very, very difficult defensive battles. You know, they've got, you know, they're missing a few players, suspensions, injuries, low right goes to Canada. It's not been the, I don't think, the, the continuity that they need to get to yet. Um, Alex, before I get your take on York, uh, let's hear from Alan Koch after the game, uh, who had a brilliant thing to say about Edmonton fans. You guys know I'm not from Edmonton. I'm, I'm from BC. I've spent a, a huge chunk of my life in BC, but I'm becoming a very proud Edmontonian um, because... There were a lot of Edmontonians today in the, in the stands and you could hear them. Uh, they weren't just sitting there feeling sorry for themselves that it was cold. They were there to come support their team. Uh, and it's a big part of who we are and what we're trying to build together uh, with everybody in this community. So let's, let's call it what it is. We're the underdogs, but we're a team that's going to fight until the bitter end. Uh, we've shown that already in two games. Uh, and everything I've learned about the DNA of Edmonton uh, in the last year that I've been here, that's who the city is. And I think we embody that. We're proud to embody it. Uh, we play for our club. We play for our city, too, at the same time. Uh, so very, very happy and appreciative of all the supporters that came out tonight to support us. Alex, I want to move on to York and ask you a tactic question. You covered it in your analysis on campiel.ca about them moving to a back three in the second half. You noted it could have been out of necessity. Obviously, Michael Petrasso uh, going off in the, in the, at halftime. But you did say, you know, because of that, you can only wonder if that might be something we see more of from York going forward now, as there is no doubt that the formation switch allowed them to change the complexion of this game in the second half, end quote. Great analysis by you. What was it that you liked about them changing that system to play a three? I mean, I think right now, as we've kind of seen across soccer, the back three is kind of a rage and for good reason, just the way you can defend in three and you can kind of be flexible and, and you know, get get players up the pitch at the same times, control the midfield. You look at York's strengths. I think you look at uh, two areas of the pitch. I look at the well, three areas. I'd say I'd say at the back, you got a pretty you know pretty strong pillars and in, in, in Roger Thompson, D Dominic Zator, Krishnovich Insa. You know, there, there, there's plenty of options you can play at center back. 
that's number one for me. I think number two is the wingbacks. The fact that you have Diadine Abzi, fantastic player, plays wing, plays uh, fullback, prototypical wingback. You got Max Ferrari, who more of a winger. He's kind of looked, uh, you know, comfortable enough there. So that's number two, where you have the talented wingbacks, and you got the all of the midfielders uh, that they they've got as well. You know, you got someone like. You know, you got Jordan Wilson controlling play. You got Noah Verhoeven. You got Isaiah Johnston. There's a lot of talent in that midfield. So I think they tick off the three pillars you need for for a back five. And I think it shows as soon as they switched to that formation, it kind of made a difference in terms of they just started controlling play more. They started creating more of these overloads in wide areas, which when you have players like Ferrari and Abzi in those wide areas, those are the kind of guys you want to get overloaded and get into space and get uh, overlapping uh, up there. And I felt early in the game when it was kind of, uh, you know, Abzi playing a little further, obviously Ferrari not on the pitch. They weren't getting the Abzi into those sorts of positions as much as they would have liked. And as a consequence, it just kind of was felt throughout the team. They weren't get controlling the ball as much in midfield. Edmonton was really offering them a resistance in their 5-3-2. And I think for York, as soon as they kind of unleashed Abzi and Ferrari, it was like a domino effect where, okay, Edmonton's panicking. Their wingbacks aren't pushed up as high. They're dropping back to defend Abzi and Ferrari. All of a sudden, you're getting more space in the midfield. All of a sudden, Edmonton's line's dropping back and Di Rosario's finding pockets, which coincidentally, he scored his goal from one of those pockets. So I think with how York, they're, the players that they have and how they want to play, just that that three five two with with Abzi and Ferrari kind of jol- jolting up the wings, uh, seem to allow them more freedom to play the the game they want to play and and control the areas they should be controlling based on the players that they have. Yeah, great analysis. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, I can only imagine going forward seeing Ferrari and Abzi tearing up the CPL with their fullbacks. You know, <laughs> that's a pretty good pair if you can get it. And then obviously they've got the defenders behind them. Um, a disappointing day though. Whenever you're away from home and you take the lead late in a game and you don't finish it off, it's always two points dropped rather than one point gained. Um, with that in mind, here are the thoughts of their boss after the game, Martin Nash. I thought you know. We, we got, yeah, it was a good goal. I thought we took it well, um, but I thought we panicked a little bit and we're maybe a little bit rushed. Um, once the goal went in, we, we didn't calm ourselves and, and get to grips with the game. Uh, they had great energy and enthusiasm to try to get back in the game. We didn't deal with it too well. That's my, my thoughts of it right now, but I'll have to go look, look back at the video and, and the, the momentum shift and uh, what we could have done better. Yeah, difficult start for them. But obviously, you know, Cavalry at home this weekend on Friday night, Martin Nash up against his former team, Tommy Wilden Jr. That'll be pretty special as well. We'll get onto that in a second. Uh, before we finish the show, uh, thoughts on midfielder Jordan Wilson after this one. It just feels a lot like last year a little bit. It's just got to be clinical all over. And I feel like we'll get there. Like it's still, even though it's uh, it's it's still a little new group, you know what I mean? So we just got to, we got to get our guys on the same page. Um, wish I could play back those those three minutes right before two minutes. I don't know how long it was uh, in between the goals because I feel like today we we had more chances and we deserved it. But football is about results. It's not about deserved it or things like that. So, yeah. All right, before we finish the show, a couple of headlines for you, gentlemen. We'll start with these two teams in a clash of two winless teams next week. York hosts Cavalry on Friday night to kick off week three. Is it possible to make a case of one team needing this more than the other as we look at the fixtures next week, uh, York against Cavalry on Friday? Uh, Alex, first to you, uh, York, Cavalry, which one do you think needs this more as they need to get a, to get a win in, the, in, in uh, the third week? 
I mean, if I'm going to have to pick a two, I think I'm going to go York just based the fact that they're at home. You, you'd think you see the FC Edmonton game on paper. You, you go up late against them. That's a game they should win, especially having made the playoffs last year, uh, having lost at home in week one. I think there's just for, for them, they need to win this. Whereas Cavalry, you're coming off a, a way draw to Forge where, yes, they did drop the, the result at the end, but still it's always tough to, to, to sneak out a point uh, away from home. And because of that, and the, the, you know, as well, the fact that we're also on the road in, in week one, they're kind of just at the point where, okay, uh, you know, in, in these North American leagues, it's kind of all about get as many points as you can at home. Anything you get on the road is a bonus. So the fact that this is their third road game uh, in a row, it, it's not as much pressure. Just try to get a draw maybe or, you know, and then get back home. Whereas your second home game already, you've only got one point out of two. You, you do want a lot, you know, you do want to win a game like this. It's a, it's a really good answer. Charlie, can you counter it though? Can you, as a team player, can you make the, can you make the argument for cavalry? Cause I, I think I'm just agreeing with him. I, I, I mean, I think yeah. we can, right? Cause Tommy I think we, I think we certainly can. Oh, he's absolutely going to want to win. I think cavalry has in certain senses, you can certainly argue they've been the better team in both of their two games so far. And they've been like there, if a couple things go one way or the other, they could be two and oh, and then yeah. they're at, then the answer is absolutely York. But the way that Cavalry has played in the last two games, I think that they are going to be very, very keen on finishing a game off here. You know, after being so close to winning at Forge, so close and playing well against Ottawa, but not managing to find the net in that game. I think that they're maybe a tiny bit, a tiny bit frustrated. They're not going to say that because it's very early and they have again played entirely on the road. Uh, they, they have a lot of road games at the start of their season, so they're really just trying to build momentum for the stretch run much later, months from now. But I think there is definitely a sense with Cavalry that they want to come out of this road trip with at least one kind of marquee three-point game that they can hang their hat on because they've been so close in these other two games, and I think this is one they're going to be circling. Yeah, nine of the first 13 away from home for Calvary. Uh, don't start at home until May the 1st when they welcome the champs, Pacific, uh, with some memories from last, last time they played them at home in the playoffs. <laughs> Here are the other games to kick off week three uh, as the weekend gets going. We mentioned it at Lion, York Lions Stadium. Be there if you can. It's, a, it's worth it. Friday night's a great night to go out and watch York United. Uh, 7.30 kickoff. All these games live on One Soccer. Uh, York versus Cavalry, Charlie, and I'll be there for that one. Forge against Edmonton. Uh, we'll probably be there for that one as well on Saturday. A big clash as Forge try and get their first win. Uh, Pacific Halifax, our correspondent, will be Alex. Alex will be all over that one next week as the champs try and make it three for three. And Benedict Rhodes, who currently is doing his final college exam, we send all the best wishes to him, uh, will be on Atletico Ottawa duty against Valor FC. Uh, congrats, Benedict. I know you just killed that exam. I didn't even see it, but we all know Benedict's a clever lad and he's fine <laughs> in that one. Uh, before I let you two gentlemen go, the final headline of the show, the Greater Vancouver area announced its location and stadium plans in a packed press conference last Wednesday at the Langley Event Center. I was delighted to be there and the buzz was real, gentlemen. Uh, speaking to a lot of people around that location, a lot of people, a lot of kids, a lot of very excited people who don't live downtown who are dying to go out to this. Alex, I know you're a West Coast guy. Your thoughts on this, first of all, and how excited are you to see a Vancouver team come to the greater Vancouver area? 
Yeah, I think it, it, it's going to be huge. Uh, just, you know, there's an appetite for, for soccer in, in Vancouver. I think we see it with a lot of the local grounds, you know, grounds support that there is. You see with League One BC coming in, I think there's going to be a lot of excitement for that with some of the, the inaugural teams. I'm excited to go get stuck into that and see the kind of grassroots support that there'll be for some of those teams. I've seen it a bit firsthand over the last few years. So I think uh, it's huge to, to have an opportunity like that. A lot of people in Vancouver are starting to take note of what's going on over on at the island with, with Pacific FC and the fact that it's going to be the, you know, same branch of the, the ownership group uh, with obviously with Rob Friend heading the operation. They'll, they'll see that familiar face. They'll know what he's capable of and they'll, they'll realize it's good soccer. So I think uh, Langley as, as the location, I think in terms of, of, of transportation, it's pretty easy to get to. There is some work to be done in terms of making it accessible in terms of transit, but in terms of a drive, it's a, it's a fairly easy drive. So I think a lot of fans, uh, we'll head out there, especially with the Van- the state of the Vancouver Whitecaps right now, uh, just isn't the same draw that it, that it was five years ago. And I think if the Fraser Valley team can come out and, and market themselves well and, and and put out an enjoyable product in year one, I think they can really grab some of those, those fans, especially fans who are dying to feel part of a, a club, whereas something like the Vancouver right now, they're not they're not evoking, evoking that sort of sentiment, sorry. And I think if Fraser Valley can do that, it's going to be, uh, they'll, they'll be well supported from day one. Yeah, very interesting. And, and not the first time I've heard that. I don't live there, but a lot the first time I've heard that from a lot of dedicated Vancouver Whitecaps fans uh, who actually I met many of them last week. Aaron in the chat asks, what's the state of the pitch like? Very, very good. I was there. And by the way, it's brand new and nobody is playing on it. They're ready for this. They're keeping it. They're preserving it. Hardly anybody is allowed on it. So, yeah, you don't need to worry about that. All right, Charlie, as ever, I will hand the last word to you, my friend. But CPL coming to the Greater Vancouver area just feels right. Yeah, it does. And it's been something that I think a lot of people have wanted and spoken about for some years now, even since the very, very beginning of the CPL coming into existence. I personally have not been to Langley. (laughs) I, I haven't even really been to Vancouver other than the airport. So uh, I don't know anything about the community, but it sounds very exciting. And it seemed like there was a very good vibe out there when, when you guys were out there uh, for this announcement. So it's very exciting. And, you know, I love when the CPL grows and when new teams come in and join the family. So I just can't wait to see another, another professional soccer team begin in Canada. Yeah, one of the gentlemen out there I was talking to, one of many, I think many of the locals were throwing stats at me. I was trying to keep up with it, but I think somebody <laughs> said 600,000 people within 15 minutes or something uh, of, the, of the field, which is just remarkable, a remarkable population. Um, again, Charlie, Alex, can't thank you guys enough. Uh, again, read the fine work of these two gentlemen at campl.ca, also onesoccer.ca, all your CPL coverage there as well. And one soccer, your home for the Canadian Premier League. Back, you know, continue to watch all the games. They're they're there right now, guys. You can watch the highlights on YouTube. You can watch the full games on One Soccer on demand anytime you want. Uh, with the great dulcet tones of Adam Jenkins, After Blasters, and many others. Uh, so the voices of the Canadian Premier League. I uh, thank you everybody for listening and watching. Uh, enjoy your week. Fantastic slate of games next week, and we'll be back next Monday uh, to recap them. God bless. Take care and stay safe.